Welcome to Doctrine and Devotion, a podcast that explores Christian faith and practice from a Reformed Baptist perspective. My name is Joe Thorne. I'm the lead pastor of Redeemer Fellowship in St. Charles, Illinois. Jimmy, my co-host, is in Europe. He's doing business. I know he's business dealing, wheeling and dealing, doing all that, but because he's a good husband, he took his wife with him so that they could take a couple of days, a day or two off in between these gallivanting travels uh, just to spend a little bit of time together. So husbands, take note. Not that you can all go to Europe, uh, but make time, right? Make time where you can. We, quiet over there. We haven't introduced you yet. And, uh, so, but we got somebody else on and somebody else that y'all know, somebody that I think uh, you love. That's uh, Dean. Hey. Dean. What's up, man? Oh, it's going pretty good, man. I, I, I'm back. I don't know how this happened. Well, like, oh, sure. Like I never asked, coming back. <laughs> I asked, I asked, you know, uh, Steve Meister and he couldn't do it. And I asked Jordan uh, Stefaniak, and, and he couldn't do it. Um, I asked uh, John MacArthur. Uh, he was going to do it last minute, bailed, couldn't do it. Oh, uh, did you write him a letter? Uh, no, see, maybe I should have. Old school, yeah. snail mail, get it out there, <laughs> do the whole thing, man. Oh, yeah. Hey, listen, um, if, if people don't know who Dean is, uh, Dean is, uh, well, he's a good guy, pastor, church planter, uh, and he is a live streamer, and he does a really good job yes. with that. Um, in fact, look at this. Oh, I'm on the wrong oh, page. <laughs> we'll talk about it. We'll we get are, there. We are we are going to talk about that. Um, but I got to uh, I gotta I gotta fix stuff here. Oh man, I'm I'm so like uh, like out of touch with how everything is supposed to. This be. is just here how it is Boom. with live streaming, man. Boom! There You're we go. You're getting used to it. There we go. There hey, is Dean's familiar. page. And yeah. uh, you guys should check it out. As you can see, he live streams something called The Olive. It's a it's a really good it's a it's a really it good gonna, show. Knew it was going to happen. Uh, you know, it's do a you pro- realize yeah. how many pictures of olives I've had sent to me <laughs> since I was on last time? <laughs> All the time. Well, and like at first, like because I'm Italian, I'm like, are you trying to like, are you trying to get you know, is this good kind of olive to get or something? No, <laughs> but, it's a microaggression. No. We're coming yeah. after you with. <laughs> with racist microaggressions. Oh, uh, snap. You know, so then you gotta... I get it. I'll put a little space in there. I'll get around to Maybe it eventually. It's on a banner. It's on like a little <laughs> banner. Like it's at hard. a high school, like football game. Mm-hmm. You, you, you gotta do it like a different layout so it's easier instead of the olive. Looks like the olive. I'm just saying. It's, it's Theo Live. It's Man. Theo Live. It's not that complicated. Okay. You guys are Calvinists. You guys should be able to figure stuff out. Yeah. We hold things in tension. I know, I know. But uh, Dean's channel is great, so be sure and uh, link to that. We'll put it in the show notes. But it's just youtube.com slash Dean Lentini. Uh, yep, try to keep it simple. Um, so, so Dean. Um, yes. Recently, you had something going on. Well, your wife had something going on. And um, oh. why don't you explain that? Because it ends with you giving her a gift, which I think is one of the greatest gifts a husband has given a wife a creative fun gift. So explain to everybody like what actually happened and like how, how, how you, how you guys wound up in, uh, in the situation. Well, basically my wife is great at social media. She doesn't have a lot of time for it, but she loves doing it. And so she just tweeted like a fun thing of, Hey, let's do 
Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, right? Like everybody knows that game. Everybody's played it at some point. And it took off like crazy. She thousands a, and thousands of retweets. And she made a real like, connection. Like line. she was able to actually do it and get to Kevin Bacon. Yes, Kevin Bacon retweeted her and that like and then like the Today show was like showing her tweet. Like, no way, I didn't know that. Well, it was in an article. It wasn't on still, TV. Oh, that's awesome. It counts. It counts still. So and he didn't just retweet was, her, he commented. Oh yeah. He spoke, yeah, he was he like thanks for wife. making me smile, which oh, made me a little bit angry as a husband, mm. you know. <laughs> like I'm just like, uh-oh. Well, watch out, Kevin Bacon. But also it's Kevin Bacon, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, so what I did was I took a screenshot of that, and I made it into a mug. You know, not all right. of us can take our wives to Europe, Jimmy, but, you know, I could go to Vistaprint <laughs> and make a mug, so she's pretty happy with it. It's pretty awesome. I was telling my daughter, Catherine, uh, about it. She's our oldest kid, and um, and I was, like, I was telling her the whole thing, and she was like, oh, wow, that's really cool. And then she goes, who's Kevin Bacon? Oh, snap. Now, here's the, 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 the thing is, she's, she's 21. The problem is, is that she just, she was, we were just talking, this is what triggered the, the conversation. We were talking and she was like, I was like, have you ever been to a drive-in theater? I miss the drive-in theater. She goes, yeah, I went once, had to drive like an hour away. We saw Footloose. And I was like, oh, but that reminds me. And so I told them the story and she's like, who's Kevin Bacon? And I'm like, what in the, how do you not know who Kevin Bacon is? And it, I talked about Kerry Sedgwick, man. they're married, been together forever, like super cool people. Uh, man, whatever. <laughs> These kids, this generation, you know? Well, listen, um, we're starting something new here at D&D, and I wanted to bring you on for this because um, there's stuff, a lot of stuff happening. A lot of stuff happens. Oh, yeah. A lot of news, good things, bad things, uh, funny things, and uh, I wanted to do a thing like basically called In Case You Missed It, and it's sort of like a, sort of like a news like update, like... <laughs> case you missed it something like that right <laughs> like that. so i'm thinking oh, that's great. <laughs> uh, so i'm thinking you are a guy that's dialed in and so i was like hey dean why don't we just talk about some things that are going on and i threw out a couple you threw out a couple and i'm like cool let's talk about what's been going on uh in, in the christian world today that's uh, that's worth thinking about worth worth talking about and sure we'll we'll hit a few and um one of the things that has been getting a lot of press and a lot of play are the guys from Theocast. Uh, they have mm -hmm. Theocast as a podcast, but it's not just a podcast. They do uh, written material as well. They do videos and they do a lot. Good guys over there. And um, they went ahead and <laughs> released an episode on, on, Doug, on Dougie Wilson. And uh, if, if, if you've paid any attention, um, when, when people have something to say about Doug Wilson, there is uh, quite a response uh, mm -hmm. As some of our listeners know, uh, we had an episode where we were talking about the CREC and Doug Wilson a little bit and Federal Vision and um, the Presbyterian that we had on a friend of ours, Nick Batzig, uh, he just got flooded with, uh, with hate mail. <laughs> it was, very, it was yeah. very different for him. So uh, Theocast came out with this thing, and uh, maybe you could explain to our people in, in brief, who's Doug Wilson? And what did Theocast have to say? Well, if you don't know who Doug Wilson is, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast, but uh, he is a pastor over in Idaho, Moscow, Idaho, uh, Christ Church there. And he's started a school there. Uh, basically, it's become like a like a hub for a lot of 
reformed-ish types, but mostly a lot of the rhetoric that's been coming out has been political over the last few years. And so there's a lot of talk about, you know, Christian nationalism, Meet the Press. He was just on Meet the Press right. like two weeks ago talking about Christian nationalism. Uh, so there's a lot of that kind of stuff. And then, of course, you know, what you guys discussed about federal vision. And uh, he's he's a controversial figure. A lot of people either love him. And like when I say love, I mean like love. Mm -hmm. And then there's a lot of people who I would probably just me, just being me, uh, I would probably fit into the camp where I'm like, ah, he's he's kind of a dangerous teacher. Uh, but John Moffat, who is one of the hosts of Theocast, uh, decided to do a whole episode going into detail on some of his posts, uh, some of his articles and podcasts that he's done. Because, I mean, he's been around for a long time. Like, I remember Doug Wilson from, like, the Mars Hill days where he would come to Mars Hill and speak with Driscoll. Uh, so he's been around for a long time in the Pacific Northwest. He's been very popular, uh, but now he's popular all over the Internet. And so he said a lot of things. And John Moffat really did a great job, I think, of breaking down specific quotes, specific statements that are focused on justification. Because right. a lot of people, when they're talking about Doug Wilson, they get lost in the politics. They get lost in uh, some of the more controversial things like cussing and and different things like that and get focused on, you know, uh, what I believe is a hyper uh, view of complementarianism. They get focused on those things. You know what? John Moffat. They also get lost. They also get lost in rhetoric and in the way that he writes. Uh, Mm. Wilson is smart and he is is. a, a very good writer and he uses his writing in a provocative way. Uh, to mm-hmm. elicit responses to, to, from people, to and I would say to be generous to him, to get them to listen, to get them to pay attention, to hear what he has to say. So yeah. um, that's another thing to get lost in because he's he's wordy and mm-hmm. he's good with words, and that alone, the way that he communicates, can be confusing. Oh yeah, well it's it's illustration upon illustration, <laughs> you know, like it's it's a bunch of stories really, and then he gets to like his the meat of what he has to say. Right. So. Yeah, it's really easy to get distracted, but John Moffat did a really good job of focusing on the core aspect of what I think is dangerous about Doug Wilson's teaching, and that is his view on justification. Uh, Basically, that works are a part of your justification, which is completely contrasting to any Reformed teaching. And this is, I mean, this is not a guy who, um, Moffat isn't, he isn't riffing. He's no. not listening to and pulling material uh, that are that is anecdotal about Wilson. He's not uh, he's not focusing on smaller issues. Uh, I, I don't he doesn't come off like it's a witch hunt. He's simply dealing with the things that Wilson has said and wrote. He's dealing with yeah. his own words. And yeah, I mean, while you know he points out that you know a federal bishop no mas this thing that he did with James White. Where he essentially, Wilson is saying, like, no, 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 I'm not, you know, what I believe is not federal vision, but what that means is, well, I believe what I still, I've always believed, I'm just not calling it federal vision anymore, right? Yeah, people don't like this name anymore. <laughs> so, you know, my, you know, our concerns with, with Wilson have oftentimes been 
the, 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 theol- the theology, there are theological problems, everything from, you know, and I don't know where he's at now in all of this, but fed- from federal vision stuff, his view of justification is problematic, uh, pedo communion. Uh, there's mm-hmm. just a number of things that were really concerning, as well as, and I know like we, we get hate for this, the way that, that he and others with him uh, approach people, individuals, and concepts. They come at it in a very combative way, and sometimes you have to be combative, but oftentimes they're coming at it in such a combative way that they're not going to get a, a, a hearing from anybody that actually disagrees with them. Uh, it's, yeah. just, it's just provocation. And I think that, you know, like that approach is something that we don't really value in, at, at our church and in, in the, the friends that I hang out with. We want to address people. We want to address problems. But we also want to move them from error to truth. And so there is a sense in which winsomeness, and by the way, MacArthur used to talk about the value oh, of being winsome. Man. He used to talk about, like, you should be winsome. Uh, you said the word. I know. Here comes the hate. So that, and that's fine. That's fine. Listen, a bold, clear, direct, and winsome. Oh, how about this? Gentle, if you're talking to your brothers and sisters. Need to be. And, and if there's uh, if there's real her- heresy and error, then be very clear and direct and, and call them out. I think mm-hmm. all that's fine. However, um, yeah, we, we do have some, some issues here, and the, the thing that's so concerning is how quick the reaction is and how loud the reaction is when people go after some of their heroes or role models or people that they value. Whereas if you come after, who do I like? Okay, I, I like a lot of guys. Jim Renahan, mm. Sam Renahan, the Renahans. If you were to come after the Renahans, like, I would be inclined to say, shut your mouth. <laughs> Those guys are awesome. They're humble. They're godly. But in reality, what I would need to do is listen very carefully. Like, so what are they saying? And, you know, is there any way in which, like, that they're right in their perception here? And, and is there any way in which they're wrong? I mean, I, I, I think it'd be valuable to be objective and measured in our response while being clear and really direct. Yeah, absolutely. Like we all have our biases, right? Like we have our people that we look up to that we've learned a lot from. And that's a key to a lot of aspects of of like the idea of like celebrity pastor or, you know, following after a teacher who isn't your local church pastor. It's very easy for us to get really defensive of them when anyone says any negative thing. And, um, you know, sometimes, you know, we should be defensive. Like we, we should be in a, in a certain way, but also we need to have, you know, just open ears to be able to hear when people are giving a scriptural truth, which it was, I think John Moffat did a great job in in explaining scriptural truth and contrasting that with a popular figure and what he has said, you know, this isn't someone taking it, someone out of context or something like that. Uh, He was looking at those like specific statements and contrasting that with scripture. So that's what we need to do with uh, a lot of these leaders that we, we enjoy and be ready to go, okay, maybe, maybe this person was wrong on something and be able to, you know, figure it out from there. You know, and and, in all fairness, I'll say this, you know, with, um, with, with Moffat's response, uh, you know, his response and, and, and articulation of justification wasn't itself particularly detailed. Um, and, and I actually appreciate that to certain degrees. Like we, we try to focus on, 
um, you know, simple explanations, clear definitions. So when we're, sure. when we're expressing things, we're teaching at the church or here, sometimes we go into the weeds and get very detailed, but oftentimes, especially with doctrine and devotion, we try to keep it simple, right? We'll give you the sure. simple explanation and then point you to resources so that you can go deeper. And so I know some people are picking up on that saying like, well, you didn't use enough scripture, you know, you didn't unpack enough theology and fine. That's, that's a fair criticism, but that still doesn't address whether or not the argument and uh, that he's making about Wilson's theology is right or wrong. So I, mm. I think, you know, we just need to be willing to say like, well, let's, let's take a close look and give people a chance to respond and say like, Hey, you know what? I, uh, I was wrong. And I, I, you know, in, in the case of, of Wilson, I, I would, I would love for him to say like, yeah, my, my understanding of, of works has changed. And, uh, yeah. and I, and I didn't, I didn't articulate it well in the past. And I, so I was wrong there. And I, I think I'm on a better position if, if that's where he were to land, but he, so far I haven't seen that move at all. No, I've, I've actually seen kind of the opposite, but that's just my point of view. <laughs> well, it was interesting because, you know, not only did, uh, this happen with Theocast, uh, but mm. then Costi Hinn started, that's another thing that happened. Costi Hinn got on Twitter oh, and, and went ham. He went like he started talking about Doug Wilson and G three, yeah. um, you know who who is Costi Hinn? In case people don't know who that is, uh, how do you, in a nutshell, explain who Costi is into people? Well, I think probably what everyone knows about Costi is that he is the nephew of Benny Hinn, the the faith healer, the guy walking around in stadiums waving his jacket and all that kind of stuff. And Costi was actually a part of that ministry for a while. Uh, you know, I think he was like one of the drivers, one of those people that was up at the front catching people when they got knocked over by the Holy Spirit. I put that in finger quotes for all the, yeah. <laughs> all the people uh, listening. Um, but then, you know, uh, apparently I, I, I remember him saying something about how he was reading a John MacArthur commentary uh, when he was preaching on healing. And all of a sudden, you know, he understood that uh, faith healing um, just for him, he was looking at it and saying, that's not legit. And so now uh, he's a pastor. He's a church planter down in Arizona, a uh, popular speaker uh, going from John MacArthur's church over to G3. Uh, and, you know, he's got, I think it's for the church is his online ministry or for, for, the, gospel, for the gospel. That's what yeah. it is. Yeah. Not together uh, for so, the gospel, just for the gospel. Yeah. I mean, well, everyone has like for the gospel, for the church, for the, you know, like it's, it's a constant thing. Okay, that's uh, why you got to come up with something like the olive. Say, yeah. Yeah. That's right. Everybody that's else. right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm totally different. Putting Theo in something, you know, it's, it's very unique. <laughs> um, but yeah, so he's, he's been uh, in the, the limelight right now because of some of those, those tweets that he made where he was uh, really negative towards a lot of the guys that he's done ministry with, yeah. you know, with uh, Josh Bice over at G3, uh, Michael O'Fallon was someone that uh, he was really going at uh, from, uh, is that Sovereign Nations? Is yeah. That... Yeah. yeah. He's so... detail, and he's detailing like conversations that he's had with Michael mm -hmm. O'Fallon, reporting, here's what he said to me. And his, what's his basic argument? What was his, what was it that Costi was essentially saying here? Because it wasn't, it wasn't that these guys all have bad doctrine when it comes mm -hmm. to, um, you know, for example, uh, the G3 guys with the doctrine justification yeah. or things like that. Um, what, what was the issue? The main issue seemed to be that he was talking about his movement 
being part of like the the anti-woke movement and that he was associating G3 with that, Michael O'Fallon with that, a lot of those kinds of speakers and organizations being as part of this anti-woke movement within Christianity and calling it basically the same thing as the Young Restless Reform Movement and saying that it did some good, but there was introduction of associations that he was not okay with. So really focusing on Michael O'Fallon and some of his business dealings, uh, talking a little bit about, you know, Alpha and Omega as well, uh, but then focusing really on Doug Wilson and them basically saying like, hey, you know, they're part of this and kind of using that association to further the movement. And Costi was basically saying, I don't think that we should be associated with those kinds of um, methods and those kinds of teachings at all. And so he was basically saying that, um, you know, our, our movement had been hijacked. Right. Right. And I, 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 I'm, I'm very sympathetic to what he's saying, you know, Mm -hmm. that, um, we, we need to be careful who we partner with, uh, when we are, you know, putting this out as a, as a gospel movement, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, the guys that are addressing, um, the problem of, you know, they'll call wokeism or whatever, but, uh, but the, the, the progressive ideology that's popular today across America, shorthand is, is woke, uh, but there are a lot of problems, a lot of like dangerous ideas there. And they're not just, they're, they're, they're saying, well, we're not just addressing this, you know, politically or morally. This is ultimately uh, related to how we understand law and gospel. And so that's what yeah. they're saying. But then they're partnering with people who have theological problems and who are, and the claim would be by many that, well, they're, they're, they're very politically driven and yeah. clearly uh, of a different ilk than, than we are. So he, he's uncomfortable with the bad theology of some of these people, but also just the, the, the fact that we are essentially, it, it appears, this is what I took, that we are putting you know, societal transformation in a sense uh, ahead of the gospel by partnering with all kinds of people who are working for this, uh, for this idea of societal transformation. So, uh, yeah, he, 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 he went after Doug on everything from cussing <laughs> to yeah, yeah. other things. Uh, it's, which, by the way, um, you know, you're not, not going to hear me cuss, but uh, it's, I just, that's just not, not your, I mean, we need to do a whole episode on cussing. <laughs> Uh, come on, guys! Like, like that's all right. There's a, like I'm way more concerned with this theology than the cussing. Absolutely. Um, like I really don't care. Um, however, I, I I get that, and I get how you know he was willing to you know I think it's valuable. Hey, listen, these are public issues. We're going to talk about it publicly. So mm-hmm. uh, so he went out there and he, he he made all of this noise and he released. He was like, I'm going to release four podcasts. I listened to the first one and then he never got to the other three. What happened? Uh, then he just uh, posted up an update, like he just threw up on Twitter, update, tomorrow I will release a statement in conjunction with G3 Ministries. Further, I have requested private discourse with Doug Wilson on Monday, will work with him on timing, and will address concerns privately before expressing things publicly. A fair hearing is biblical. And then in another tweet, while it is not my habitual pattern to shoot first and ask questions later, I have erred in allowing private frustration with situations to air publicly. I have met with elders and G3. I repent for my lack of prudence on all fronts. I forfeit the right to fight if I abandon God's rules. And I believe that was a quote from uh, Charles Hedden right? CH? No, that's Cossie. My bad. <laughs> Yeah, because he. <laughs> Why did he go with C H? Nobody, nobody calls Spurgeon C H. 
It sounded good to that last part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, apparently he's, you know, maybe he's grieved genuinely. I mean, that's what it sounds like over how he handled yeah. things. And he wants to handle things a bit more privately. Of course, this is leading to all kinds of speculation. And you know, this is where I get just tired, man. Okay, so Kossi said something. People responded. He got a lot of flack for it. Um, and so he's, he's like, I'm taking it down. And like, I'm just not, like, I don't have any information, any reason to believe that, um, mm-hmm. that there's anything nefarious going on here other than what I see. Um, that, you know, hey, listen, I was called out on the way I handled it. I'm going to address these things. And I would, I would suspect that he'll come back and address these things again um, after he's had the chance to talk to these brothers. But, uh yeah. Yeah, I mean like I would agree with that mostly. Um, you know, I think that there is a pressure that that people feel as someone who um, you know, you try to write a ship sometimes, you feel like there's a conviction of something's wrong here whether it's when in the church or an organization or even amongst, you know, pastoral friends and you try to correct that and then you know, maybe you got overzealous. That could happen. That happens to all of us. Um, but then there is also a pressure from other people saying, like, you need to keep things on the down low. Yeah. You know, you shouldn't be airing these grievances publicly and essentially telling you that how you have to deal with every Christian is through the lens of Matthew 18. Right. Uh, and, you know, you got an issue with someone, you got to go deal with them personally. And then, um, you know, you can move on from there. I don't think that's necessarily true. Uh, I believe Matthew 18 is dealing with the local church. So as best as we can, I think we should follow that. But, you know, if John MacArthur says something, am I not allowed to say something? Because, you know, I'm never going to be able like I could write letters all day. He ain't going to answer me, you know. Um, But I think that we can we can call out things when we see it. You know, whether we should about personal things that only we know about and get into the weeds about some things, that's something else. Um, But I I do think that there was probably a little bit of pressure uh, there from some of his friends at G3, some of the other guys saying like, hey, you need to listen to these guys one on one, which to me is a little bit dangerous when you're dealing with, you know, what John Moffat was dealing with, with Doug Wilson specifically, like. If you ask someone to say, hey, do you, are you going to affirm this orthodox position? Most likely people are going to say yes, you know, and right. especially someone who's smart, they're going to say yes. And then later on, they'll say something that goes kind of against that, you know. Right. So it's, it's kind of a dangerous game uh, to just be like, OK, well, I just have to have a conversation with them. And then, you know, it can be good because most likely you're going to get the answers that this person knows that you want to hear. Uh, so I, I do think that there's some some danger in that. But, you know, I'm not going to fault a guy who thinks that, you know, I sinned. And that's what he even called it in this update from G3. He said that he sinned through gossip and false accusations. Uh, so, you know, if you feel like you sin, you know, that's on you. If you want right. to repent and repent publicly, you know, you have that that right and ability to do that. I'm not going to judge you for that. Um, but I do think that you know, sometimes, especially younger guys in ministry, we can feel a lot of pressure. And sometimes it's really good if we're listening to the right people uh, who have, you know, wise things to tell us about how to handle ourselves. Mm. You know, it's good to have that influence. But also sometimes we can be pressured and sometimes it's not the right voices. And yeah. all of a sudden, you know, 
we we just want to fit in and we don't want people to think badly of our of us and you know be like that hothead that's typical of young guys being called that you know so i i think there's a lot going on here but not a lot that we actually know it's mostly speculation which right, is right right kind and of there's, no, there's no doubt i totally agree that there's a lot of pressure on him um and you know ho- hopefully uh, he has clarity on whether or not he was spreading rumors or not like if it if, yeah. it, if it wasn't true and he got it wrong then he, you got to own it but I, I was curious like how i mean costi hin isn't is it feels to me like he's pretty new to the scene um mm-hmm. do you know like when he ditched the whole uh prosperity gospel movement was that 10 years ago honestly i don't know i've heard him give his testimony and uh, it really seems to always focus on him being in pastoral ministry and focusing on reading that John MacArthur commentary on faith healing. Uh, I think he was preaching like in Corinthians or something and saw that. And like he said, his life was changed from that moment onward. Um, but I, I don't know how long I know. I know for like the last four or five years, he's been speaking on right. a lot of, you know, on a lot of platforms. And he wrote that book about mm-hmm. God, greed, and the prosperity gospel. And that seemed to really catapult him into the, the, uh, into the front line, if you will, of, you know, all these different leaders and teachers. So it, it's been a while, but yeah, I mean, compared to like someone like Justin Peters or someone like that, he's relatively right. new. Well, it just, uh, it, it raised uh, some questions for me because, you know, if he is relatively new to Reformed Orthodoxy or, you know, um, healthy biblical theology, um, it might it might have been a little bit too quick of a move for him to be put on a on a platform. Um, you know, I mean, it's like it, 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 it takes time, you know, it, it to, I mean, we all uh, a lot. We all some people were making fun of Jared Longshore for, you know, becoming oh. like the expert Presbyterian now. Uh, let me, like, let me explain the yeah, Presbyterian you know, denomination to bro, you. Been, I've been Presbyterian for yeah, two months. Yeah. It's like, no, just, just you know, chill. Um, but this is even more significant, I think, because, you know, you can have a great understanding of, you know, Presbyterian polity and disagree with it and then come around and go, like, sure. you know what? I actually embrace it now. And there you have all the material, whereas this seems like, you know, I don't know. And I'm not saying that Costi wasn't ready or shouldn't have been platformed. It's just a concern that I have in general. Like we ought to be slow uh, to be teachers, especially in areas where we're relatively new. Um, Absolutely. All right. Well, there was something else uh, that people were talking quite a bit about. I mean, it was on news. It was it was everywhere. It was, it was uh, on the Washington Post. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Like crazy. Yeah, because uh, John MacArthur wrote a letter to Gavin Newsom. And mm. uh, Gavin Newsom is, uh, what, the governor of, uh, of California? Yeah, yeah, I think so. He's been, he's been the governor for a while now. But it is yeah. interesting. Like, this, this story is interesting given their history. I don't know if you know this, Joe, but, like, I was, like, a YouTube junkie even back in the day. Right. And I remember John MacArthur and uh, Gavin Newsom going on Larry King live and getting into it like they and like, I mean, like, obviously, as a Johnny Mac fanboy back in the day, I was like, yeah, get him, you know, (laughs) but uh, like they they have a long history. And I was familiar with Newsom because um, I listened to some podcasters that are out there in California. um, And one of them who is a, a secular atheist comedian, his name is Adam. Corolla, he had Newsom on yeah. his podcast, bef- like when he was running, 
And uh, for okay. 45 minutes, Adam just tears him up. And uh, he stayed on for 40. It's like, he, these guys don't do long-form discussions. And I'm not suggesting you guys listen to it. There's cursing. It's not, you know, if you don't like cussing. This is, but the point is, is that, like, uh, you learned a lot. Like, he's, he was a very, you know, uh, tra- traditional, very liberal left uh, politician who doesn't really have answers for the problems that California faces. So, yeah, sure. I, was, I was familiar with, um, with who he was. And we know that MacArthur's church has had a lot of problems with the, with the state because, you know, they were going to continue to worship uh, mm-hmm. in the face of the state, just imposing all kinds of extreme regulations on people, even after we learned that this is not as deadly of a disease as we had initially thought. Um, so when they wanted to worship together, they were getting into all kinds of trouble. Um, what's this whole letter about? What did he... I read it. Well, it starts... Yeah. It's 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 not that long. It's like three pages. But uh, it started with Governor Newsom putting out billboards of uh, basically promoting abortion with Mark 1231 on it. Mm. So that's love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these, which a lot of Christians, of course, were going to be like, wait, what? <laughs> you yeah. like Absolutely. loving your neighbor means abortion is OK, you know, yeah. uh, appropriately. So, angry we well, everybody was appropriate like yeah that's blasphemy to use god's yeah. word to support murder that's crazy yeah yeah so uh, uh john MacArthur took it upon himself to write a, a public letter an open letter uh to newsom basically condemning him um you know there's not a lot about like the issue of abortion it is basically you have done this you uh have sinned against god you've been blasphemous all these things and then uh basically repent and there's a real focus from macarthur on newsom's personal repentance and so he put it out publicly uh which uh some people you know were a little upset by and just being like why didn't you just send it to him uh, you know, why do you have to put it online? And then other people are like, well, you know, like the putting it on the billboard is kind of asking for it. Yeah. And I, I kind of fall into that line. Yeah. I think that, uh, you know, he could have been a little bit more winsome, you know, to use that word again, everyone's going to come for us. <laughs> but uh, like, I think that he could have been more persuasive. Um, but basically, I mean, there's like, if you look at that, you're not going to find anything wrong with, um, you know, John MacArthur's understanding of salvation or anything like right. that. But yeah, my, it was, it was is, a pretty big deal. Like, okay. So, you know, you, you, you look at the, you look at this letter uh, first of all, I'm with you. I have no problem with a pastor writing an open letter to uh, a civic leader, uh, to the governor calling him out for sin and a, a, a misuse of the power that God has bestowed upon them. I think that's sure. totally legit. And um, especially, like, th- he's dealing with a public figure who is doing these things in public, passing laws or trying to get things going. So I, I don't have a problem with that at all. Um, and he's, he's, he's preaching law. And if you read a little bit more, he's preaching law. He's preaching law. That's true. He's preaching law preaching hang on wait a minute wait is there is there a little grace there there, uh, yeah you know here's the thing there's 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 a whisper of gospel in it sure yeah i mean there is salvation for those who repent christ purchased full redemption for all who were turned from wickedness forsake their evil thoughts and actions and trust fully in him as lord and savior all right that okay people say well that's the gospel 
to a person who doesn't know what you're talking about, if you spend time sharing the gospel with lost people who don't have a biblical worldview, Mm -hmm. none of this makes sense. There is salvation from what? Okay, so maybe you could imply from this, all right, from the wrath of God, the judgment of God, the justice that we deserve. Uh, For those who repent, uh, Christ purchased full redemption for all who will turn from wickedness. How did he purchase full redemption? What is redemption? Uh, Forsake evil thoughts and actions and trust fully in him as Lord and Savior. What does that mean? He spent 95% of his words saying, like, you're a sinner, which is Mm -hmm. inappropriate. You know, you're condemned by the law of God. You're on the wrong side of God. Very, very good. But, like, where is an explanation and a, a clear articulation of here's how you can be redeemed? That's the that's the, the I think the failure of the letter. Nothing wrong with him writing the letter. Totally fine with that. But yeah, like you need to preach the gospel. You don't just kind of throw a tagline in there on the gospel after you lay out the details of the law. And so again, I would rather this this thing be two more pages. Yeah, than, sure. Than just this, you know. So yeah, people are talking about it. Uh, there's nothing to get mad about with a pastor writing a letter to a governor who is encouraging the slaughter so. of babies. No, that's fine. Yeah, that's fine. You know, listen, MacArthur can be cranky, but so can I. <laughs> um, and here, I don't think he's. I don't think he's being cranky. I just think he really. I mean, and I don't know if if it's if, if it's a MacArthur issue or not. I don't know if this is a problem, but a lot of people are so used to talking to other Christians about the gospel, they have no idea how to talk to non Christians about the gospel. Well, yeah. And I mean, you got to think about, you know, John MacArthur, who does he have interaction with? Like a lot of these like really big pastors, when they're talking about pastoring, a lot of times it's the staff, like they, oh, yeah. they, they're around the staff most of the time. And so being around unsaved individuals, you know, as, as your church gets bigger, it just becomes a natural thing that you have mm-hmm. to, you know, delegate and all of that. And all of a sudden, if you're not really focusing on it, you know, you're not around like the, the average daily, you know, unsaved person. So you can kind of forget how to yeah. talk to those people. And yeah, it does. That's a fair point. Like uh, it, it does ring like that uh, of just being able to really condemn someone with the law and then just, yeah, just a little bit of grace yeah, <laughs> at the very end. Great. I just want more. I just want more. Yeah. Listen, I think we've all said it a million times. You know, even those of us who are no longer fans of uh, of MacArthur, based on how he's kind of run things, um, we've all been incredibly impacted by him in in various ways. Uh, and I can honestly say that some of the greatest work that God has done in me personally, I can connect that to a number of the things that he has done through John MacArthur. So Same. Know, I'm, I'm not not throwing out MacArthur. Just saying, you know. <laughs> More gospel, man, and explain yeah, it in nice. a way that people can understand. Man, like I'm talking to Christians, and they don't like. Okay, you explain sin, like you got all that in there, but like, I want them to leave with a a hunger for hope. And like, mm-hmm. I remember when I was, you know, hearing the gospel. You know, once it was explained to me, I knew, whoa, God loves sinners that are worthy yeah. of condemnation, and He extends redemption to all who are willing to come, you know, and what is that redemption? Like, Oh, the, the forgiveness of your sins, reconciliation to God and how he does it. Like it's cause I, it was very clear in my mind. Like I understood that God could forgive me because Christ actually took my place and took my penalty. Yeah. Like, that was made very clear. What I really struggled with is why would God, 
you know, because I am a jerk. I'm worthless. I hated God. I hated the church. And so now this idea of redemption sounds really beautiful, but I just can't wrap my brain around why God would, um, which gets to the, the love of God. Yeah. But, yeah. Everybody needs a Philip. Ethiopian yeah. eunuch. Mm-hmm. We need a Philip. All right, man. So, okay, we got one other thing, uh, one other thing that, that happened, and uh, that is Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Um, that is a, uh, a Southern Baptist seminary. Used to be the mm-hmm. biggest. Um, now it's the fourth biggest, and um, it's behind Southern, Midwestern, and Southeastern out of our six seminaries, and it continues to drop in enrollment. Um, this was a seminary that uh, was led by Paige Patterson, who had some... It was just not a not a good leader, uh, and it was was. It's putting it mild, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, he was he was caught in a in a. N- n- okay, I got to be really clear here. Um, yeah. The way that that he handled uh, uh, victims of sexual abuse, um, and a number of other issues, he was uh, he was found not fit to lead that seminary, and so he got the book. Yeah. Um, uh, listen, I don't need to hear any of that. If you have stained glass windows of yourself. At your seminary, you're getting the boot if I'm in charge. I mean, you kind of want one though, right? Oh, like just for your study. You don't need it out in the, you know, in the sanctuary. I would only want but maybe it. in the study. I would only want it so that when you like open up for public worship in your church plant, I can secretly install it in one of your windows <laughs> when you're sleeping and everybody's gonna come in and be like, Who's this old white guy? That's a house church, man. Uh, we're we're a house church. Oh, you're not gonna have any All right, dang it. No, buildings right. are lame. So uh listen. Oh man, I can't even. We have, don't have time. We're in the middle of tr- <laughs> another transition here uh, at our church. All right, man. So Adam Greenway was the president of Southwestern. So we had Paige Patterson. Sure. We had some interim thing, and then Adam Greenway came in, and all of a sudden, boom! Like overnight, like a week or two ago, he's like resigned. He's gone. He gone. Like yeah, it, it was crazy. He's only been there since 2019 yeah. too. Yeah. Like this is like usually when you become a president of a seminary, even if we're not talking about like Southern Baptist, if you're going to be the president of an institution like uh, a college or a seminary, like you most likely you're going to be there for a decade at the very least. Yeah. Like it, got a it's, lot to it's do. a lot. Yeah. And in that case, he it, was picking up the pieces. He was, you know, he had the responsibility mm-hmm. of, of, of a seminary that was tanking because of former leadership and controversies and trying to make things right. Um, and now he's gone. Yeah, I don't know. So I don't know. we're just now learning, like so, you know, like what's going on. Uh, I know he he stepped down and um, and he went to he, the, the 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 word was oh he's going to the international mission board and now that seems to be like, he's not doing that. Yeah, it's there's a lot that's like just a mystery about this. Like in a statement, uh, Greenway said that he was unprepared for the enormous reputational, legal, and financial realities facing the seminary, sure. which were exacerbated by the uh, coronavirus uh, pandemic. Uh, so, like, that's that's about all that we actually yeah. know from Adam Greenway on this, right. uh, is that he was just not prepared for the reputational, legal, and financial realities. Yeah. Uh, so it, it seems who like something be? happened. Who, I mean, who would I mean, Come on. Ain't nobody ready yeah. for that mess. Who could be ready for that? Oh mess? man, ain't nobody. Well, um, I mean, like you got to think that he he thought he was <laughs> at the beginning, <laughs> like you know, yeah. to take on that that role. 
that will that would have been not the most desirable job on the planet, you know. Yeah. You <laughs> but, know you're going to get hated, uh, and you know he made he had to make a lot of hard decisions. Um, I'm not saying that they, these are these are right decisions or wrong decisions, but I know he had let a bunch of people go, hired other mm-hmm. people, and so now there's a bunch of accusations out there, you know, out there in the in the social media world about you know how he spent money or didn't spend money, and I don't have any take on that because I, I'd like sure. to hear from the seminary before you know I have any opinions yeah. on that. Um, but you know, it was just, uh, you know, it's the, the, the Southern Baptist convention of which, you know, I'm a part and you've been a part historically, uh, when you're yep. in the States, uh, there's, there's just a lot of, there's a lot of mess going on and, um, it can be, it can be, it can be pretty discouraging. And you see something like this and, you know, whether you were a fan or not, either way, you're frustrated at what's going on. And we're wondering like what is in store for the future of the SBC. And we've got lawsuits, um, against the SBC, about uh, you know sexual abuse, mishandling cases of sexual abuse, um, and then you look at some seminaries and you see like oh wow things are up things are in you know yeah, Western yeah. is killing it they keep they're growing yeah they're doing great so you know I I just encourage Southern Baptists don't don't freak out and be reactionary in this I mean you know but be patient and um, pay attention you know, don't get wrapped up in the, the, the Twitter accusations. Um, wait for real legit information to come from sources that are credible. Um, you know, everybody has opinions and, um, we all share them. That's fine. I have lots of opinions. I have, I have opinions on men shouldn't be wearing short pants in public. Uh, I don't like it. So knock it off. Um, How short? Any kind of like, come on, man. I don't need to see your knees. When we look at your knees, bro, it's hot out. Okay. In the 1920s, it was hot, and ain't no men wearing shorts out. No wore pants, slacks. Unless you're so, are you saying you're like like Martin Lloyd Jones wearing a full suit going to the beach? Do I look like I'm a full suit wearing guy? I mean, yeah, I guess so. No, I mean, like no. all black, all black hoodie. I think it's context. <laughs> I think it's context appropriate. Beach hiking, working out, mowing the lawn, shorts, and okay. okay listen, and listen, I, I, I only like. 75% believe what I'm saying. Like, it's fine for people to say. But I don't like it on the, on the Lord's Day up on the stage, man. No guy's preaching with shorts on. Knock it off. No, nobody wants to see Oh, man. Here we go. Get it off. Fundy Joe. Fundy, Fundy Joe, Joe everyone. That is me. Dean, Dean, man, how do people find you on social media? Like, uh, do you, is, do you, yeah, why do you have two names? Why do you, Instagram okay. is one. Why don't you change it? Make I it know. One thing. I know. Well, like, I don't. I don't need everyone to see all the pictures of my kids. That's basically it. Well, if you like, want to I see post... them, go to Grumpy Baptist. <laughs> well, a little bit. Like, you know, you know, like their faces are always hidden a little bit. Uh, Grumpy Baptist is my Instagram thing. It was like I had like I had tried YouTube before under Grumpy Baptist, and then I deleted that. And now, you know, it is what it is, Dean Lentini. Um, so it's, it's just like a carryover from that. And also, you know, I'm still Grumpy Baptist. Yeah. Like people, people listening to this probably know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still a little bit grumpy. I just like that you have an arrow made out of a tree that's pointing at me. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, 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 sure. Like that look. All <laughs> right, so they can find you there. You don't have a website per se, right? No, you're no, not right now. YouTube.com slash Dean Lentini. Um, I like yep. that. Nice and easy to find. So um, be sure and, and check that out. Give him a subscribe. Follow him. You've got live stuff happening. Was it Mondays? Or you just do it every time? Monday. Yeah. Every Monday around yeah. noon. And then you do, because, yeah. like, ain't nobody busy on Monday at noon. Yeah, right? Like, you're at, you're on lunch. Yeah, You're on lunch. All the pastors. Are... 
All right. Uh, All the pastors you, have Monday off. But you also do other live stuff, and, and you do yeah. some things, and you're doing more and more, like, little, they'll take little bits out and stuff. So I hope people will check it out. Uh, Dean, thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate yeah. it. You are uh, a good friend, and I learned a lot from you. I'm, uh, I'm grateful for it. Thank <laughs> you.